<laughs> well, thank you, Megan, for that uh, introduction. And for some of you, you might have thought you've gone back in time with Megan's reference to the epilogue of his story. Uh, Richard said, blame me. Uh, I had given uh, Megan the notes. As uh, we had said earlier, we are, of course, in the Abide series. I have to say, love those notices. And weren't there some great uh, dancing? Um, you know, I, I always love doing a bit of daddy dancing. What about you, Richard? Are you, do you do oh, much dancing? I nailed it, nailed it, you know. Well, maybe we should bust <laughs> some moves out next week. Yeah, no. Yeah, yeah no, really maybe we not. Yeah, yeah. Email us, <laughs> let us know if you want us to do some dancing. But uh, wasn't it great? So excited about that praise party. Well done for those guys putting that together. Just so exciting. Well, we are in the series Abide, and uh, you know, for those of you who missed it, you can catch up with any of these talks, of course, on our website. But uh, I kicked off this series looking at how we can not just survive in this season, but indeed how we can thrive. And uh, we looked at Psalm 1, and it shows that if we are, uh, it says, blessed is the man or woman who's rooted in the Lord because they weather the storm or they do not wither when the heat comes and they bear fruit in season. And we looked at that allegory in John 15, that New Testament allegory of how we are to abide in the vine, abide in Jesus. And as we do, we can bear fruit in season. And we looked about how that we bear fruit, not just for ourselves, but in fact, we bear fruit for others, don't we? And I gave that example, just like that apple tree that my brother and I as a kid used to pick in my grandparents' garden, that the fruit, of course, the apple is not for the apple tree, it's to bless those people around uh, around them. So um, just want to say that, you know, we really want you to survive, not just survive, but thrive in this season. And so what we're looking about is how we can abide in Jesus and what that looks like. And last week, Richard just did a great job of looking at how we can be friends to others as well, how we can bear fruit to other people. So what does it mean for this morning? Well, we're going to continue in the series. And as Richard and I said earlier, after this talk, we're going to have some Q&A. If you've got any questions that come from this talk, put them in the comments, put them in the chat, and then Richard and I will go through those at the end. But what we're going to look at today is how we can abide in his truth, in his truth. You see, this is really important for us, you see, because if we don't abide in what God says, we'll abide in what someone else says. You know, we live in what's been called and dubbed a post-truth world. Have you heard that phrase? You only need to Google it and see the amount of articles in the past couple of years around this. But essentially, post-truth means that, well, your truth is whatever you believe. There is no absolute truth. It's, it's what you think is truth. You know, if I want to tell you that I'm uh, six foot four, that I rather think I am and not five foot seven, then who are you to tell me that's not the truth? Because <laughs> that's how I feel, so that must be the truth. What about the advent of fake news? Fake news. I don't remember ever having that term when I was growing up, but yet we're in a situation now where you can't even believe what you read in the paper or see online. And so we have these fact-checking services. Unbelievable. We live in this world where who knows what the truth is. The truth is whatever you want it to be. And let me just say this, and I want to be really clear, that truth is absolute. You want to see what the truth looks like? Let me show you. Here it is, God's word. Do you remember that scene, and I think it's in A Few Good Men, Tom Cruise, he's a lawyer, 
in, in the army, and uh, he says to Jack Nicholson, we want the truth. And Jack Nicholson says, you want the truth? You can't handle the truth. Do you remember that movie? It's a very good movie. Well, let me just tell you, not only can we handle the truth, but we need his truth. You see, we have been created to walk in his truth and abide in his truth. Because as I said before, if you don't abide in what God says about who he is and about who you are, then you will abide in someone else's truth. And if you want to live a life of freedom, if you want to live free of bondage, free of things that would hold you back, and free to move into everything that God has for you, then you need to abide in his truth. You know, Jesus said in John 8, 31, if you hold to my teaching, you are my disciples. Then you will know the truth. Listen to this. And the truth will set you free. Not fake news, not whatever you think is truth, but his truth will set you free. Hands up if you want to be set free and to live everything that God's got for you. And that's why you see we need to abide in his truth in order that we do not wither and in order that we bear fruit for others. And so what I want to do this morning is I want to make this a hugely practical talk. We're going to look at my top five tips on how you can abide in God's word. Because let's be honest, it's not easy, is it? Reading the Bible, I sometimes find it difficult myself. But it is so important. But before we look at those top five tips, in order that we are all on the same page, I want to just look at three reasons why um, it is important to... Uh, abide in God's truth. The truth about God. If you want to know about God and who he is, then you need to get into his word. Because in his word you discover a God full of love, full of mercy. He's a God full of grace, full of forgiveness. A God of justice. A God uh, that is all-sufficient, an omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient God. There are some big words there, aren't they? (laughs) But if you want a right view of God, then you need to get into his word. Why is that important? Because, listen, you become that which you worship. You know, if you think God is some measly God that is out to get you all the time, then you will become like that yourself. Did you know that? You know, we need to understand who God is in order that we can worship him aright. And, and I want you to know this. that Listen, God is not hiding from us. God is wanting to reveal himself. You know, in his word, from Adam in Genesis all the way through to John in Revelation, it's a story about a God who is wanting to reveal himself to his people, to his creation. And we can find out about him in his words so that we can worship him. And you know what I find as charismatics, and what does that mean? It means charisma is the Greek word for gifts. You know, we, we believe that we can walk in the gifts of the Spirit that they are for today. But oftentimes I find that one of the dangers is that we, we kind of relegate the word of God sometimes. You know, we, 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 we know that God gives us personal revelation But it's almost as if we we put this on the bookshelf. Let me tell you, we need to get into his word. We need to abide in his truth because it will bear fruit in our lives. And so that's the first one. It reveals about who God is. Number two, it reveals the truth about who we are, about us. It shows that we are created by him, for him, and sustained by him. We looked at that a couple of weeks ago in Colossians 1.15. 
If you want to understand what that longing is in your heart and you can't understand what that vacuum is, then you will only understand that if you read this word and recognize and realize that you've been created to worship God and have a relationship with him. If you wonder why you're battling with the flesh, you'll only realize why until you get into this word and recognize that we are in need of his grace and that we are sinners saved by grace. You know, I've said this before, but if you buy a car and you've got a manual for the car and the car says, give it petrol, and, um, and you say, well, actually, I don't want to give it petrol because I've been created for orange juice. Imagine the car says that. Well, then you know it's not going to work. We need to understand who we are, and we do so by getting into the Word. And you want to read the Psalms. What about David, the way... I love the Psalms when David... Because, you know, he starts the Psalms. Oh, God, look at the, the ailments that I'm going through. Look at the problems that I'm going through. And then he's, at the end, he just gets down to worship and says, but, but you, Lord, but God. It gives you permission to be who you are, recognizing that we do go through difficult seasons. So that's the second reason. It reveals the truth of who we are. But number three, it reveals the truth of how we are to live. As I said, this is our manual. This is our manual for how we are to live. If you recognize that who God is, that he is the creator God. If you recognize who we are, that we've been created by him and for him and through him. Then number three, you recognize that he has good plans and purposes for each one of us. And how are you going to find that? You get into his word and you find out the promises, so many promises for you about how you can live your life. And so before we get to these practical tips, as I said, I want us to get us on the same page as to why abiding in the word, in his truth, is so important because there is an absolute truth. It's God. And so it reveals the truth about God, it reveals the truth of who we are, and it reveals the truth of how we are to live. And you know, as we reflect on that, and as I've been reflecting on this, I was reminded of uh, something that happened to me years ago, maybe 25 years ago. I was uh, traveling with a jazz band, uh, evangelistic tour. They were from the US. I joined them, and we were traveling around the south of Spain. It was amazing, going to different villages and plazas and playing and spreading the gospel through music. And... Um, I recall a time where we had, we had partnered with a particular church, and we were in the church building, having a, having a meeting, and we had to move the chairs, and so my, this, my Bible was on one of the chairs, so I, lit, I got the Bible, and I dropped it on the floor so that I could move the chair. Well, I remember what happened next, because the pastor of that church came over to me, and essentially he rebuked me, and he picked up the Bible, my Bible from the floor and said, this is the word of God. You don't drop it on the floor. And you know, I've never forgotten that. Because it challenged me is, if, if we all agree, this is, this is God's living, breathing word, this is his truth, then how precious is this Bible to you? And so, for me, it was a, just preparing for this talk has been a reminder for me, saying, this is so precious. I recently read a story called Safely Home um, by Randy Alcorn, and it was, it's about the persecuted church in China. It's a novel, but it's based on actual events. And I was so struck by how um, the Chinese in the underground churches would so value their Bibles, because they'd be confiscated if it's not an authorized uh, Bible of the Chinese state. 
And they would wrap them up, they would take care of them, they would copy them painstakingly, handwriting. And I was challenged when I read that, and I remembered that story of way back when I dropped my Bible. And I think that we're in a season where God is saying, this is my word. God breathed word. This is precious, and it's precious to us. And so what I want to look at then as, as I kind of bring this, this small talk to an end is just to help us. Because as I said at the start, I recognize it's not easy, is it? It's difficult sometimes to get into the word. And so I want to give us five practical tips on how you can abide in God's truth, okay? We're going to look at five practical tips on how we can abide in his word. So the first one is this one. Expect that God is going to speak to you. Now, you might be curious, you might say, well, why is that the first one, Mark? Because oftentimes what happens is we go to this book as if we're going for a history lesson. When we don't realize that we need to go to this book for a life lesson. Now, don't get me wrong. Of course, this is an accurate historical facts. But you see, if we just look at it as a book of history, we will never realize that this applies to our very lives today. You know, at, the, at its best, we have, you know... Um, thought of this as not having much value for us today, and as, at worst, we've consigned it to the fiction section of our bookshelves. But here's the thing, this is a living, breathing word. You know, I, um, oftentimes what I would do when I go to the word, here's a tip, is say, Holy Spirit, will you speak to me as I read your word? Recently, I was um, going through a, a season where I was struggling and I could feel the, the buffets of the waves around me and, um, and I thought, I just must be in the wrong place, Lord. You know, surely if it's your will, Lord, I wouldn't be experiencing these storms. And, and I just couldn't, I, I was listening to the Lord, I was praying, I just didn't feel like I could hear the Lord. I thought, you know, I've got to get into his word. I need to read and I need, Lord, you to speak to me through your word. And so I went to the Gospels and I went to the story of the feeding of the 5,000 where, as you guys know, um, you know, Jesus is speaking. He's moved out of compassion. He speaks to many people and um, those thousands of people indeed. And he's with the disciples and they get to a point where everyone's hungry and he says to the disciples, you know, you need to go uh, feed these. And, and they're like, well, with, with what? And then we have the loaves and the fishes, and you know that story. Jesus miraculously, uh, it, it feeds everyone, and they have leftovers. Now, it says in the scriptures, immediately after that, God made them get into the boat. That's what the scriptures say. Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and meet him on the other side. So they have this mountaintop experience where they see this amazing, miraculous uh, extension of this food, and they can't bask in that. They can't stay in, in, in all of that. They have to go straight into the boat, and then Jesus goes up to the mountain. Now, as he goes to them up, up the hill sorry, to pray, he sees them on the lake in the middle of the night, and they are experiencing a huge storm. They're buffeting, they're terror, and, and it says in the scriptures, uh, at dawn, Jesus then gets down off the hill and goes towards them. Isn't that interesting? He saw what they were going through, but he, he recognized that they were safe, and he gets down, he starts walking on the water, and they're terrified. They think it's a ghost. And then Jesus says, do not be afraid, it is I. And then he gets into the boat with them and he commands the storm to stop. Now, why did that speak to me in that situation? Here's the thing you see. Jesus said, Mark, 
Just because the storms start doesn't mean you're in the wrong place. Didn't we read, as I mentioned, that Jesus made them get into the boat? They were heading in the right direction. They were in the right place. But the reality of life is that sometimes we do experience storms because we are in the right place. You know, we experience barriers. We experience hardships because we are pressing forward, because we are extending Jesus' kingdom. And so for me, that spoke to me in that moment. I didn't see it as a history lesson at what Jesus and the disciples were doing. I saw it as a life lesson about what was going on in my life right then and there. And so I want to encourage you. When you get into his word, say, Holy Spirit, will you speak to me? And expect that God is going to speak to you. You know, it says in Isaiah 55, 11, it says this. God says, so my word that goes out from my mouth, it will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve, listen to this, the purpose which I sent it. This is God's living, breathing word. It will change your life. And so we need to come to his word with expectation that he is speaking. Okay, that's the first one. It's, it's getting into that mindset, getting that attitude. Number two, <laughs> don't just shower, soak. What on earth does that mean? Well, okay, so I, I've always liked showers. You know, they do the job well, don't they? You get in the shower and, you know, you're in and out in five minutes and, you, and you're kind of clean. But um, the past few years, discovered baths. I love baths now. You know, at night... Just soak uh, in a bath, you know, if, I, if my back's feeling a bit dodgy, put some Epsom salts, and you've, and you've kind of got to soak in, the word, soak in the bath. Maybe you put some, you know, candles around. Well, I'm just saying too much. Hey, Rich, actually, question for you. Are you a shower or bath guy? A hot tub man? Hot tub. <laughs> a hot tub man. I like, I'm not sure I can weave that yeah, in. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not really sure I'm ready for candles and incense and stuff. Yeah, so well, that's fair enough. I, I, prob I probably did share too much there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> TMI. Yeah, exactly. Thank you. But, you know, uh, there's a place for baths and there's a place for showers. I mean, you can relax in a bath in a way in which you can't with a shower. So where on earth am I going with this, Mark? Very good question. You know, Charles Spurgeon, the great uh, Victorian preacher, pastor, uh, he, has, he wrote um, a number of lectures to his students. He, he, he spoke to his students on preaching. And one of the things he said is, always soak in the word. You need to let the word permeate in you. And indeed, that example with the Epsom sorts, if you don't stay in for half an hour or so, it says in the instructions, then it's not really going to do anything. And there is a place for shower Bible experiences put it that way. There is a place for getting to his word quick, seeing the, God's word, and you know there's a place for that. But there's also a place for soaking in his word and allowing his word to permeate your very spirit, your very soul. You know, it says in Psalm 119, uh, verse 119, verse 148, my eyes stay open through the watches of the night that I may meditate on your promises. You know, we need to meditate. You know, Eastern religions have seemingly taken um, the uh, ownership of meditation, but the reality is before there was any Easter meditation which is not right and it doesn't come from a good root, there was meditating on God's word and allowing it to develop in us and to grow in us. So practical tips. How can you soak in the Bible? Here's the first one. It's about time. It's find a time which works for you. You know, I like having a bath at the end of the day. You know, the kids are in bed and I've done all my stuff and I haven't got any distractions. You know, what time works for you that you can put some time aside to soak in the word? Maybe it's before everyone gets up. 
Um, my, my beautiful wife, Stephanie, she does that early on before anyone wakes up. That might not be the right time for you. Maybe it is in the evening. Maybe it's some point in the day. Maybe it's coffee time with the Lord, you know, mid-coffee that you can put time aside. Find a time that works for you. Number two, a place that works for you. You know, where can you go where, I know that if I get my Bible out in front of my computer, I'll just be distracted. Um, I need a place, just like I talked about soaking in the bath, having some nice lighting, having some candles. You know, it, it enables me to relax and soak. And so where is that place that you can soak in God's word? Where is that practical place that works for you? You know, turn your phone off, do whatever you need to do so that you can soak. What about this one? Number three, speed. Speed, chew over the words. Chew, I'll slow down as well. Chew over the words. Like a, like a lovely piece of steak. If you, sorry, apologies to any uh, vegans or vegetarians. You know, when you chew over a nice piece of food or when you savor a nice fine wine, you know, don't rush through the word. Slow it down. For you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderfully. And you, what happens as you meditate on it and as you slow down, you then ask questions. Lord, what, what does that mean? What does wonderfully mean? It means that you are spectacular. You're created in God's image. For God so loved the world. Well, that means me. Wow. And so what you do is you slow it down. And if you're soaking, don't soak a huge chapter necessarily, maybe just take a couple of verses and just soak in it. Okay, so that's the second tip. Don't just shower, soak. Number three, get a study or daily guide. You know, I, I meant to bring it from my office. I've got Every Day with Jesus. It's a great little publication every day. It's just a helping aid to focus you on a particular verse. Um, I haven't got my phone on me either, but um, you know the, the Bible app is a great app that you can use and it has daily verses. There are many study guides that you can use to help focus your mind on a particular uh, verse or packet passage and you know, get some help in. Number four, mix it up. Mix it up. What do I mean by this? Well, listen, if you have converted and are used to uh, using your mobile device for your Bible, let me just say this, go paper. I think there must be surely a renaissance for uh, the, the, the Word of God in paper format. Why do I say that? Listen, I think there's a place for having it on your app. I think it's a great shower um, application. You know, you can get in, you can search, you can use it. It's fantastic. But if you want to soak, can I recommend you get, go paper? There's something about minimizing the distraction of notifications that come in. You know what I'm talking about. Or the phone ringing or whatever it might be. Soak in the Word. And you know, there's something about... Can you hear that? I love it. It just slows you down. The other benefit and advantage of paper is that it gives you context. You see, the thing about mobile devices when you look at the Bible, you don't know where what you're reading is in context of the rest of the Bible. You want to understand where you are and what's before and after. Paper will do that. And so I recommend go paper. What else can I help you with to mix it up? Get a new version. Um, you know, I'd always been brought up on the NIV. I love the NIV. That's an NIV. Um, but there came a point where I felt like it was getting really stagnant. That's the wrong word. I mean, God's word is never stagnant, but I needed to refresh it a bit. And so I went to the bookshop and I found a new King James version. That's the wrong word. I mean and um, 
I, I bought that, and for me, it, it, it said things that I'd read before in a different way, and I was able to re-engage in a way in which I hadn't before. And so I want to encourage you, just mix it up. There's ES, I've got an ESV Bible, I love an ESV Bible, that's great as well. And, and so look at your Bible and say, maybe I need to get another one. You know, so at this point, I want to promote a brand new online bookshop that we have just launched. Uh, you can go there, it's thevineyardchurch.co.uk forward slash bookshop. And can I just say thank you to Penny Griggs. She heads up our amazing bookshop team and she has worked um, tirelessly with this project. Thank you, Penny, for, for this. We have partnered with St. Andrews uh, as an online bookshop. And so you can go there now and scroll down. There's recommended reading from myself and we'll expand that from the team as well. Different categories that we have curated for you, whether that be uh, devotional items, whether it be how to, how to uh, live the life that God's called you. All those different categories are right there. And at the bottom as well, you'll see different Bibles. So you can go there uh, for your uh, resources. Okay, uh, let me continue on mixing it up. So we looked at Go Paper. Go Paper. Get a t-shirt, I think, saying go paper. Uh, get a new version, that will mix it up. And of course, if you, if you want to use a, a Bible app, there's all those different versions there as well. Number three, here's an interesting tip. Listen to it, don't read it sometimes. Um, you know, recently my wife Steph was saying how she's started listening to it on the Bible app. And that's a great way, you know, um, to have someone read the Bible to you. And you can select a different version. I mean, we are so blessed, are we not, in this day and age, that we have access to all these amazing um, uh, applications and Bible translations that we can listen to. And, uh, and so, as I said, mix it up. Okay, if, if what you're doing isn't working for you at the moment, mix it up. Go paper, uh, try a different version, listen uh, to the book as well. And lastly as we look at top tips on how you can get into the word, write down what God says. It's amazing when God does speak to you to write it down. And I find this one of the biggest challenges for me to do. But, but have a journal of what God is saying and speaking to you. Because what it will do is you will, it will build faith and you'll be able to look back at what God has spoken to you about. And it's just such a wonderful thing to document what God has spoken to you as you have soaked in the word. So there you go. There are my top tips, my top five tips. Expect that God is going to speak to you. And for some of you, you're going to have to have a real mind shift on how you think about God's word. Number two, don't shower, soak. Number three, get a study guide to help. Number four, mix it up. And number five, write down what God says. And, you know, these tips will really help you reboot and reset how you can abide in God's word. And lastly, let me just end before I uh, head over to Richard and we look at some of your questions. You know, I was thinking about this Christmas and about gifts. And we're thinking about bearing fruit for others. And of course, as we abide in God's word and as we recognize uh, who he is and how we express his goodness to others, and we, we, will we will start bearing fruit as that word works in us. What about a perfect gift for Christmas is to get someone a Bible? Isn't that amazing fruit that we can gift someone with? And I've been challenged on that. You know, I'm going to think about people that I can gift God's word, God's absolute truth. Now, you know what I'd like to do now? I'm ending a prayer. If you want to reboot, reset, and get into God's word, and you're saying, you know what, this is a season to do that. I'm not going to wait until my New Year's resolutions in January. I'm going to do it now. Put your hand up, and I'm just going to pray, and then uh, I'll head over to speak to Richard. So, Lord, I want to thank you.
for your truth. That you are God who is wanting to reveal your truth to us. And you have it in your word, your holy word. I pray, Lord Jesus, that for all of those who've responded to this, who have said, yes, I want to get into God's word, I pray your grace upon them. Come, Lord Jesus. Lord God, I pray this would be a fruitful season of, of getting into your word, abiding and soaking in your word. I pray in your precious name. Amen.